0: Coming up later in the episode.
1: How do you teach your children things that you're still working on? In order to do that, you have to grow. Like, you have to be intentional. And so, I don't think mentally, my mindset, anything like, I don't think I would be the same person at all to who I am today because I had to be so that he can be. He was watching me how I responded to situations, how I handled negative situations that came up, how I handled my victories. He was watching everything.
0: This is Still Talking Black, a show about giving perspectives to issues that minorities face every day. I'm your host, Richard Dye. Today's episode is part four of the five-part series, Mothers of Black Sons. Today, we talk to Mallory. Her son is eight years old and has already experienced some discrimination by other kids. It's sad to think about some of the things that our kids have to go through as minorities. So many of these mothers have talked about wanting to preserve their kids' light and their joyfulness and the way that they see the world. But a lot of times, us as black people, we have to let our kids know at a very young age how to protect themselves from the rest of the world. Just because we see the world as beautiful doesn't mean that the rest of the world will see us as the same. If you listen to the other episodes, you will know that there are things that each of these mothers have experienced in different forms, but the same thing. And I'm thankful for each of the mothers who I got to talk to, them sharing their stories and their insights and their perspectives. I know that I've gained a lot of insight and I hope you have as well. Later on this week, the final episode of the series will be coming out. Let me know how you liked the series so far. I would like to thank all of the mothers who participated in this series. And of course, all of you who have listened along. If you like what we're doing here at Still Talking Black, the best way to show your support is by liking, rating, and sharing our content, buying merch from our store at stilltalkingblack.com forward slash shop, or donating using the link in the show description. Every little bit helps. Thank you for your continuing support.
1: Hi, my name is Mallory, and I have an eight-year-old son.
0: How did you feel when you found out that you were having a boy?
1: I was nervous. Either way, whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. (laughs) But especially because I was in a single parent situation, I was extremely nervous. Seeing as though, you know, I I would need the assistance of a, a male to help me bring upbring my son in the in the proper way. So I definitely was nervous. Just I was still figuring out myself at that time too. And so I was extremely nervous being like, oh, I'm still trying to get myself together. How am I gonna raise this person to be the person that he needs to be? But it worked out. My son is the best thing that's ever happened to me. He's allowed me to grow up in a lot of ways. And it really propelled my, my growth and my maturity because I needed to be a certain type of person for him in order for him to be the person that he needs to be.
0: That's awesome. So what what is it like being a, a mother of a, of a, of a son?
1: Um, well, especially, you know, with the climate and everything going on, of course, it's not new. It's just being televised or mm-hmm. broadcast, especially now. It is scary because my son has two brothers. I remember talking to one of their moms and she had gotten pulled over. Uh, I think a taillight or something was out and um, his brother was in the back seat. And so he got up and turned around to look out of the back window and she screamed like, no, you know. And she called me to tell me about it because she said she was so scared that they would, you know, shoot her baby saying, hey, I I didn't know it was a kid. It looked like he had something in his hand or whatever the case was. And it really, really freaked her out. So for us to have that conversation, it, it it was like a, a wild moment for me that even though our kids, they're just babies, really, you know, even they're, though they're so young, we still have those fears and we still have to think about those things and have conversations with them about the police. And um, I remember growing up and, um, you know, it was like a uh, police officers were like cool when I was younger, you know, like, oh, wow, police officer, you know, almost like a profession to look up to. And that's not that's not the case anymore. With all the technology and everything that that's, that's out, I don't think people realize the amount of pressure that goes into raising little Black boys and the things that we have to educate them on at such young ages. I think that is sad, actually.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I feel that. I always feel like there is a weight that we carry as Black people, period. And just yeah. leaving a house is just something extra that we have to carry. So how would you explain the connection between you and your son?
1: We're very, very close. I try to create the environment that he is feels comfortable making mistakes around me, feels comfortable talking to me and definitely, you know, support for him. What I didn't realize at such a young age is that he would go through like racial discrimination and things like that. We stay in a pretty diverse neighborhood. I have white neighbors, I have black neighbors, Mexican. And I remember the first time of him coming home because he was outside playing with kids. I think the first maybe two years ago. Um, he came home and he said that he was playing with the kids he usually plays with. And then some, I guess some new kids came around or some different kids off the block. And they told him, oh, my mom doesn't let us play with kids like you.
0: Mm.
1: And so... I think my first reaction was like, well, who said it? And yada, yada, yada. But then I got to thinking, I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm not going to change their mind. This is something that they have ingrained in their kids. And it, it happened multiple times where he'll come in and say, like, they're not allowed to play with me. Or they said, my type, what do they mean by that, my type, my kind of person like me? So I think that that was definitely big. Whereas a mom, I still have to comfort him and support him, but also in the comfort and the support, be real and honest. Um, and it can be hard to divulge such honesty at such a young age. Mm-hmm. We don't always understand exactly what's going on, but to to kind of share those things with them because, you know, they're innocent. So they don't realize kind of the negativity that goes on in the world and it's it can be a sad thing to have to be the one to just burst that bubble you know like everything isn't always roses and fairy tales like this is what it is so just having those conversations with him even at such a young age again it's very very sad to have to do And I know maybe white parents and stuff, they don't think about those things. They don't go through those things or have have their kids come home and say, oh, well, they said they can't play with me because of who I am or anything like that. That's not something that even crosses their mind. And it definitely wasn't something that crossed my mind at all to feel like something like that would happen. And again, he just turned eight years old, so six, seven years old. I'm like, what Are
0: you serious? At such a young age, yeah. I still remember when my mom sat me down and and had a conversation with me because that was kind of like the thing that that burst in my bubble. She looked at me and she said, she calls me Ricky. She said, Ricky, it's going to be people who are not going to like you just because of the color of your skin. And I remember Mm -hmm. as a kid, that's such a sobering thing because... When you're that age, the world is just all roses and rainbows and everything is beautiful and everything is awesome. Really? And then you have your mom who comes to to make sure that you are protected and you know the lessons that you need to, to know in order to survive in this world and kind of burst. You get to see you, you have to watch your kids bubble be burst and them have mm-hmm. to start to see reality a little bit differently than they normally would have and and to have to give that lesson but that's an important lesson to give your child so that they are protected and that they understand the world and that they understand it's not them something you know it's just that's tough that's a tough job as as a mother as a parent I can't imagine
1: I just remember experiencing like racist having racist encounters when I was very young but it was always from adults. It was I don't I can't recall anything ever coming from a child. But of course, the adults that think like this raise kids. But yeah, I me mean, growing up, I always encountered things with adults um, where I was treated a lot differently. And so this was even different for me because I, I again I had never experienced anything like this coming from children. So that was like it, the whole thing was just like. It was eye-opening, I know, for him, like you said, bursts and bubbles, but my bubble was burst, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, thinking about being a boy mom, just in general, not necessarily some of those harder lessons, but what are some lessons that you've taught or plan to teach your son?
1: Well, one of the main things I teach him is, and I, I know when I shared this with somebody, they thought I was crazy until I explained it, but I always tell him that I'm his number two
0: fan
1: and my parents are like, I'm your number one fan. No, (laughs) I am number two. I, I think I want my main thing is I want to instill confidence in him at an early age because confidence is so important for any and everything that you do. You can talk yourself out of something or you can go for it. I never and, you know, I think all kids do it. They look to their parents for reassurance, but I want him to be confident in himself and his abilities and I want him to always be his number one fan. I'm there to support you and what you do, but I need you to have the confidence in the beginning. So one of the main things that we talk about on a daily basis, like if he is unsure about something, I'm like, well, who's your number one fan? And he's like, me. Like, right. I'm number two. I'm going to always have your back, but I need you to be your number one support system because I think a lot of times... Us as parents, just in general, we want the best for our kids, of course, but we don't always, we try our best. We don't always make the best decisions. I've heard so many stories about parents that didn't believe in their child for what they wanted to do as far as what their dream was. And it's not out of, I don't think you can do it. it, Sometimes I think it's more of a fear thing. Like, I don't want that to mess up for you that is going to be really hard. I don't know if, you know, I don't want you to go through all that pressure. Maybe you should take this career path or maybe you should do this with your life or whatever. And, and so I've heard situations where people won't chase their dreams because of their parents' beliefs. And I never want that to be the case. Although I'm going to tell you what I think is best, I still want him to maneuver through life with full confidence in him to be able to go out and step out and achieve the things that he wants to not based on me and what I think or what were what my limiting beliefs are for him because I'm trying to protect him I want him to go out and chase his dreams and do what needs to be done because he has full confidence in himself so I think that that would be like the, the the number one lesson for me and what I teach him and what I instill in him um, would be the confidence and definitely even teaching him at a young age how to pray. Uh, He recently was baptized on New Year's, on New Year's Eve. And that was something that he had been asking me to do. It it wasn't something like, oh, you know, you're this age, it's time to get baptized. Like, no, he requested and he asked me and we talked about you know what that truly means, what it's about and everything. And he said that that's something he wanted to do. So upon his request, he was baptized. And so, you know, even when things go wrong, if something is not going his way, if he's not feeling well, okay, we prayed about it. He's like, Mom, I want you to to pray, pray for me. But then I'm like, well, sometimes Mommy isn't there, so I need you to know how to pray for yourself. So, you know, I'll pray with him and for him, but also I'm at a point where He's leading prayers, too, because that's the one of the main, main foundations that my mom put in me that has carried me t- to now and, and in the future. So
0: I think that like that's like wonderful. I've never heard anybody say I'm your number two fan. I think a lot of times we handicap kids by trying to influence them in a certain way and not letting them grow into the person that they're trying to be. And One thing Mm -hmm. I I talked about was my dad. He actually, I I believed anything he said, you know, so if he said I could do it, I felt like I could Mm -hmm. do it. But at the same time, if he showed any disbelief, then I I doubted myself. And it's so hard to have that confidence. The world already wants to snatch your confidence away from you. So I feel like teaching someone, teaching a young man, especially to be confident in themselves. At a young age, it's, so, it's just very, very important.
1: Yeah. And if if my expectation is for him to grow up and lead his household, he has to be confident in his decisions that he makes. Because I'm, I see him looking for me, looking at me for validation. Like, oh, I'm going to do this. What do you think about this? Is this like, I'll give you my opinion all day, but what do you want? How do you think it's going to come out? What are your thoughts on it? I wanna raise a teacher and a problem solver. We I'm like, he's like, this didn't work. Okay. You're a problem solver. What, how are you gonna work through this? Let's let's talk through it. You have to be able to problem solve and work through things. Even if they don't go your way, they might not go the way you wanted the first time. How can we problem solve so it doesn't happen again? And then one thing that I definitely try to make sure that. And I, I, not that it was just my mom. I think it was a generation where, you know, whatever I say goes, you don't have a say. You, but I try to make sure that I'm. we communicate a lot. So I talked to him about, you know, what's going on? How are you feeling about this? Why we sit down and have... Hour-long conversations sometimes, just so I can kind of see where his head is with certain things, and I think that's important. And I think it's important for us as parents to be able to apologize when we're wrong, own up to when we're wrong, because I think that that teaches them to. So again, we don't always we we do what we think is best, but we don't always handle things in the correct way. So I think it's big when you can go to your child and say, "Hey." I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. This is how I should have handled it. And so I think that that's very important to his parents when we can acknowledge our own wrongs and faults because it makes it easier when they have to do it themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Those some those are some important lessons. So you're the primary caregiver of your son. Mm-hmm. How do you make sure that he is getting that male influence or that good male influence that he might need to help you raise him?
1: Now, his his dad is still involved. I don't treat anybody. (laughs) He's just somewhere living his life, but he is involved. So, you know, the times that he can spend with his dad because he works a lot. So the time that he can spend with his dad, I make sure that he has that time taking whatever. Now, I will say this. I have inconvenienced myself a lot because of what what I know it would mean for my son. So quick example, let's say his dad can't come get him, but he's still like he can come over. Now I have to get up and get out of my bed, (laughs) you know, like because if I don't take him, then it looks like well mom wouldn't take me. Mm. So I don't want him to resent me. So sometimes I have to put myself in uncomfortable situations and be inconvenienced for the sake of that relationship or Because I know that 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 time is critical, that time is important. And I also try to put make sure that I am around positive meal influences. So like my brother in law, my pastor, making sure he is around those people and they spend time with him. Like my brother in law, they'll have this is my first time really calling my my brother in law. That's my brother. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, they'll have days with the fellas. I have close friends too that I've known since middle school and if I remember one of my friends shout out to Rajoni with Darden's catering (laughs) (laughs) but uh he's picked my son up before and they've had like the fellas night where him and his male friends or cousins or whatever will all take their sons and then he'll he'll pick up my son and they'll go see monster trucks or they'll do different little stuff um like that where it's just the guys and I think that you know that's important. I've also just reached out to my family and said, hey, I need around more males. What are y'all doing next week? I need somebody on duty. Somebody going to be on here once a month. <laughs> Something he needs to be around. He needs to be around males. They don't need to be under me all the time seeing me do my makeup and seeing me do this and now he's like well girls get to do everything because of course if he's asking can I do this or can I and I'm like well no you know boy, boys don't do that and so now, now in his head he's like well dang what do boys do <laughs> but he has to be around boys and men mm-hmm. to see what what that is because I can't I can't bring to the table what a man brings to the table
0: so since you've had your son Have the tragedies that have been perpetrated towards black men do that? Does that hit any differently now that you have a son?
1: Absolutely. The connection is made more. You know, you can look at something and be like, oh, man, that's messed up. Um, That's sad versus watching something and being able to picture like, oh, my gosh, what if that was my baby? You know, so it definitely hits harder. Sometimes I don't want to, but. I'll have him sit and watch the news and watch what's going on um, and kind of explain some of the stuff that's going on. We even watched what is it, Kaepernick in Black and White mm-hmm. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Now I won't say that was the longest Netflix show I ever watched, only because I had to keep I kept pausing it and kind of explaining, okay, this is what's going on, this is why, this is this and that, and let him ask questions. And I'm like, okay, play. <laughs> so it was so long. But it was very, very good. And just trying to, I guess, use all of this stuff that's going on in the news and around the world, use it as like moments for him. I don't want to scare him by any means. So I think it's important we pick and choose what we share because they are so young and impressionable. But just making him aware of what's going on and then having to say, OK, well, this is what you should do if you're ever Put in this type of situation don't be outside with these water guns playing around in the front mm-hmm. you're gonna use it go in the backyard and I mean I'm not letting them spray paint nothing black or anything like that but you never know and I'm like I feel more comfortable with you playing backyard versus playing in the front yard you know so just trying to use them as teachable moments but uh, absolutely it hits harder. Because you never want that to be your story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you try to think about how could this have been avoided? And then you think about being in the mother's shoes and realizing that there's nothing that she could have done to prevent it. And that's a hard pill to swallow as a parent because we want to protect our babies. So if, you're, if, you, if you say my job is to protect you and then you turn around and tell me there's no way that I can protect you. Where does that leave me as a parent? helpless and nobody wants to feel like that so it 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 definitely is tough to watch tough to and not even watch because again it's it's always been this way, but just tough to have to bear uh, as a person because it's on top of life that's going on. you know life isn't stopping so that we could process and go through racial injustices like no. Life is still going on and we still have to manage and maneuver through the things that we have going on every day and then process and maneuver through racial injustice and discrimination and people saying, well, I don't want my kids playing with your kids or just I mean, it's so deeply rooted. It isn't in everything. It sucks. And that's why I feel like. Prayer is just so important and talking to your kids. I think that that communication is really important too. So, I mean, it's, it's tough because again, how can you prevent it Yeah. because of certain people's mindsets? It's like, you want to teach them, Hey, this is how you respond. If you ever get pulled over or if an officer approaches you or such and such, such and such happens, you know, you have those conversations and you just hope that, whatever technique that you have instilled in your kid is going to be the one that saves their life.
0: What is the biggest joy of being a mom?
1: The biggest joy of being a mom, I would just say is literally watching him grow and develop throughout the years and knowing like, it's, it's almost like a little pat on the back. Oh shoot. I had something to do with that. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) no, it's, it's really watching him grow and develop and become his own person. I think it's it's definitely a beautiful thing to experience and watch because they go from not knowing how to do anything, walk, talk, eat. (laughs) We can't do anything. You know, little animals come out, little wobbly legs, know how to walk, you know. (laughs) But we don't know how to do nothing when we come out. And so to just see each years transition to see the development, to see the growth, to see them handle situations in the correct manner. That is really like, wow. Sometimes I just sit back and watch him maneuver through the day and go, go about his day. And I'm just like, wow, you know, as much as they can get on our nerves, (laughs) (laughs) as much as they can stress us out in a matter of minutes, It's like, it's worth it. And then that's why people have more kids because like, you just said this one was stressing you out. And it's like, but it's all worth it. It's all worth it. You know, just like being in business or being an entrepreneur or even advancing in your career, you go through the tough seasons or like the potty training (laughs) seasons of your business. But then when, you know, you finally reach that goal, you're like, it's all worth it. I would, you know, I would do it again. Let me start another business or now let me set a new goal in business because I reached this one. So it's just a beautiful thing to watch and experience. And I will also say another thing that I have enjoyed too is the growth that it has developed in myself. I think I said earlier on, like he made me grow up. I was at a point where I was still finding myself and I think everybody is it's a continuous journey and it's never ending. But I think I definitely was at the point where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with myself. How am I going to raise somebody else what they need to be? And I remember having a conversation with one of my friends and it was like, how do you teach your children things that you're still working on? And it's like, dang. So in order to do that, you have to grow. Like you have to be intentional. And so I don't think mentally my mindset, anything like, I don't think I would be the same person at all of who I am today, because I had to be so that he can be. He was watching me, how I responded to situations, how I handled negative situations that came up, how I handled my victories. He was watching everything. It would be something as small as I can't find something in the house. I'm like, oh my God. We're, you know, so now he's looking for a crayon. And he's like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just like, dang, I got to do better. And so I thank him for me being who I am, because it would have been a slow moving process had he not like propelled the maturity and growth that I have experienced since he's been here.
0: That, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's really beautiful. Well, thank you, Mallory. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So that's all I have for this episode. Make sure you check back later this week for the final episode in the series. So again, I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. Still Talking Black is a Crown Culture Media LLC production. It's produced by me, Richard Dyes, and our theme music was created by the DJ Blue. Please make sure to rate and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting app. You can follow the show on Instagram at Still Talking Black. And you can follow me on social media at Dyesism. But until next time, keep talking.